Hello and welcome to the Over the Barricade Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing, joined as always by my tag team partner, live from the new and updated Cheap Seat Studios, it's the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. Live and in the flesh. You were last week too, but you decided you wanted to do the intro last week. Well, we're continuously experimenting here on the podcast, not for our pleasure. I want to make that very clear. We do this 100% for the two or three listeners every week. Hi, Killian. Does he still listen to us? Probably not. I don't even th- I think we've lost him. I think he's too big time now. I he's think he on... only listens when he's on. Or when there might be a mention of him, but he doesn't even know that there might be a mention. Now somebody's going to have to tell him. Now somebody will. If you personally know... <laughs> Killian McMurphy. Or you're Shamrock friends with him on shooter. Facebook. I'm friends with him on Facebook. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Actually, we have somebody who listens to our podcast who is friends with him on Facebook. And... Uh, we certainly enjoy his patronage because he listens to the show. I don't. We have a listener. I'm surprised. No, I'm, I'm not do. surprised. We're actually a pretty <laughs> entertaining show, I think. Uh, what I wanted to say—that was a joke, by the way. What I wanted to say—the fact that we're entertaining. Or? Yeah. Well, um, all of it. The last how long we've been going? Two minute minutes, and a half. Last minute and a half's been one big joke. Um, no, Killian and I are actually working on something uh, pretty interesting in October, so stay tuned. I uh, can only assume that means you can't talk about it more, so I won't ask. I cannot. Okay, well, that's fine. All right, so something we did last week we'd like to do again in a little bit different format. You wanted to go around the world in 80 seconds. Right, except last week I prepared. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, neither of us prepared this week, so this is going to be fun around the 60-second mark when we're struggling. So the way this will work is uh, we will start, we're basically just going to go back and forth. We're going to hand the baton off to try and get through this in 80 seconds and see if we can manage to fill the time, uh, as is necessitated by your idea. Yeah. So I'm going to let you go first. Oh, how thank you. I'm going to let you get started. Don't cheat this time. I'm not cheating. I mean, you've got your phone out. You're looking at news headlines. No, this is something else. This isn't wrestling. It's the Wrestling Observer. Damn it. <laughs> okay, ready? Okay. And go. Um, where do we start? Let's start. Um, wow, this is really hard without prep. Ryan, you go. Hot tag. <laughs> All that you could have done. The uh... Okay, fine. Uh, let's talk about ratings. Um SmackDown obviously got a huge boost in ratings this week from Vince McMahon coming back. Um, didn't beat Raw, but retained 95% of Raw's viewers. It's the biggest retention of an episode all year, and maybe of all time. Vince McMahon coming back to SmackDown, Raw competing against Monday Night Football for the first time this year. That's true. The May Young Classic Finals happened after that episode of SmackDown on Tuesday, and we have our first inaugural winner, spoiler alert, for the next 10 seconds. It's Kyrie Sane. Uh, nobody's super surprised by this, but big big news for the women's division as she will compete for the NXT title. Women's title. Yes. Um, John Jones' B sample came back. Uh, positive, so he's done. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Uh, not particularly wrestling related, but we'll run with it. 
Um, it is. I have to explain. Every week it is because he's most likely going to fight Brock Lesnar. I hear New Orleans is nice in the early spring. And that's 80 seconds. This was, this was horrible. This was terrible. Let's do it again next week. Let's do it again next week, but with prep. Now, I feel, actually do notes. Yeah. Are our audio levels good? They're pretty good. Okay. Um, here's the thing to all of our listeners out there. Uh, both of you need to understand <laughs> that we also, Ryan and I, believe it or not, have real lives. And this week was H-E double hockey sticks in our real lives. So that's why we didn't prepare. But I think we can still deliver. You're allowed to say hell. Oh. That's not one of the forbidden words. I see how it is. Regular old Vince McMahon over here making rules, and then he's he's allowed to break them. No, no, you're allowed to. We have to say hell. Hell in a cell is coming. We have to say that word. I was planning on saying heck in a cell. <laughs> this is a this is a Killian McMurphy esque podcast right now. It is. Um, I actually thought about making a spoof of that shirt that just said Lee, and then. A vulgar term, Brando. Effin Brando. Yeah. yeah, but the real word. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been like ECW's finest, like Lee no. Effin Brando would have been. Yeah, no, it would have been the same design. Could same you sell? Letter. Could you? Would you be able to sell that at uh, at events? Would Would that be regulated in any way? Um, good question. Hadn't thought of it. That's why I'm saying I just had the idea. I wasn't actually going to print it or maybe i was and maybe you just gave me a good reason not to um <laughs> but i thought it would have been maybe man. i'll just print one <laughs> you wear it to the ring yes <laughs> in, a, in a match with killian only if you're tagging with him because then it then it's great <laughs> i mean if you're going against him it just looks like you're ripping him off if you're tagging with can him we say the b word no oh can we say the k word I don't even know what the K word is. <laughs> well, can't say it, so I can't tell you right now. That's fine. It, it, discretion is the better part of valor. <laughs> um. So, what what do you want to dive into first? Well, one of the things we probably should have hit in our eighty seconds of glory, or eighty seconds around the world, or whatever we're going to call it. And, and what you the funny thing is the whole podcast could be called like. 80 minutes around the world or something we normally do around 80 minutes That's so true. despite our best efforts hopefully yeah we 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 try to condense it like soup but you know much like soup one can's not enough i don't like soup very much i don't like your analogy you don't like soup Nah. it's getting cold outside you have to like soup no i just i like blankets blankets are nice and warm and cold i like sweatpants i bought new pairs of sweatpants this week it's a great investment if you're listening, go out and buy a pair of sweatpants. What is happening to this podcast? Um, I don't know. How about we start with something that wasn't in the 80 seconds of fame? Uh, okay. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the bit. That's gonna be our Tom Phillips. We're gonna call it by a different name every time. We have to start a like set in stone idiom, but then not end it. That's what they always do on Raw. They'll be like. Well, you know what they say, a bird in the hand is worth a car in the garage. <laughs> what? <laughs> a bird in the hand is worth... I'm not finished with you yet. <laughs> um, so, uh, on SmackDown, there were 
as this was week two of Dolph Ziggler finds himself an inner journey inside whatever his character is supposed to be. Why did it have a week two? I don't know. We were assuming that week one was enough, but... and Okay, so the first bit where he's Shane McMahon, I'm cool with that. That part, I think, was a nice carryover from last week. It played into the story. He, two heels working together that don't have anything to do with each other. But then he came back out. <laughs> I mm-hmm. assumed that that was it for Dolph. I didn't know that he was going to come back out. I thought Owens was joking when he said, we'll see you later. He was not. And he came back out. And the Bailey thing I got, what I didn't understand is somebody who was in the crowd for the finals of the Mae Young Classic was Dana Warrior. Uh-huh. Of course, the uh, wife of the late Ultimate Warrior. Now... Or... Warrior Warrior. Warrior Warrior, as he's legally named. Which is why her last name is Dana Warrior. Um, Anywho, Dolph Ziggler decides to come out and basically say the Ultimate Warrior had no talent. And why does WWE keep allowing these types of things to happen? Especially with Dana Warrior, who they have gone out of their way to show as like a WWE-esque ambassador, who is going and doing a lot of work on the WWE's behalf. And, you know, it, it's, it is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Philanthropic work. Uh, mm-hmm. It's good work. And she's out there kind of being the ambassador for the company now that her husband has passed and WWE is trying to kind of honor his legacy and help more good work be done. And she's able to do that. She's in the front row behind the announcers when they decide to do this. This is not the first time this has happened. We have seen multiple times in the past, even in recent history, where WWE has decided to either not tell somebody they were going to do something. We don't know if Dana Warrior knew or not that this was going to happen. Either not tell them, or do it almost specifically because that person is there. And I immediately think back to the Paige Charlotte promo of, what, almost two years ago? where Paige essentially dropped the uh, the bit about Charlotte's brother, uh, mm. Ric Flair's son, who passed away, um, saying that he wasn't a fighter. And yeah. naturally, none of the Flairs knew she was going to do that, but apparently she was given the go-ahead to do that. Yeah, um, So I will say a couple things. One, I'm not sure Dana Warrior was actually in the crowd when the bit went down. She was. I saw there is an image on, there was, she actually shared a picture from Twitter of Ziggler who had just taken off the armbands and the mask he was wearing, the warrior mask, and he was heading out, like he was stepping out of the ring. You could see him going through the ropes. She is behind the announcer's table, which on SmackDown is by ringside, which is where she was posted up. You could see her earlier in the night sitting there, flipping him off, mm. giving him the double birds. Well, you know, a lot of times they will, when there's like face in the crowd, they'll only bring them out for one match or one, you know, segment. Um, but if she was there, I can only assume she knew of it ahead of time. And if she didn't, I get why they did it because it's going to get you heat to kind of crap on somebody's legacy. And it also 
keeps that person in a weird way relevant. Um, I mean, just the fact that he came out as a bad guy imitating Warrior makes you go, oh, you shouldn't do that because Warrior was great, you know? Um, I, I just... The Dolph Ziggler thing, like, why Bailey and even Warrior, like, why not do somebody that's going to get a big react? Like, why not come out to the Rocks music or Who he did see in build last it week. up? What about Punk? You know, you wouldn't that get heat? Oh, that would get so much heat, you know? but they, they would never do it because they're, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they're still embroiled in that lawsuit. Maybe. Um, probably. Uh, but, yeah, like, do people that, like, are gonna like not Naomi you know yeah all he's doing is burying current talent yeah and he's burying very very easy talent to bury right now and that's nothing against Naomi and Bailey who are great talents but I mean wherever Smackdown is that week like say they you know say they're in Texas do Stone Cold and you know have like have somebody in the ring being like ladies and gentlemen very special uh, guest here tonight on SmackDown. You may know him as your hometown hero. Music hits, crowd pops, Ziggler comes out. You know? Yeah, well, now, they've done things like that before. Right. And maybe that's what they're not... But you haven't seen that in a long time, and I think that makes a lot of sense, because I think, you know, and you don't necessarily have to do it with, you know, necessarily just the hometown people or just the biggest people. Yeah. People, I think the older crowd would absolutely pop if, like, the Godfather's music hit, and it happened to be Tall Ziggler, or, you know, I, it's somebody random that popped into my head, but have him come out to, have the gong hit. Have him come out to Taker's music. Yeah. How much heat would that generate? But right now, he's coming out to people who are, at best, lukewarm, or disliked by the fans, within the case of... Uh, Cena, who always gets a weird reception, but you knew it couldn't be him. Bailey, who right now is not well seen in the fans' view. Naomi, who's who gets good pops, but all that did was serve as to bury her. Does it bother you at all that he he's not spot on with the entrances? It bothers me a little bit. Like it bothers me that he's just like wacky and over animated. He's not doing like beat for beat. I think it'd be funnier. And it, it would make his point more because he's saying anybody can do that. Nobody can do what I do in here. So I think it would be better if, you know, when he came out to do the Cena thing, he did the Cena thing perfectly, nailed it. The Naomi thing nailed it. Not just flail around and almost hint at doing it. Well, he just looks like he's phoning it in. Yeah. And and that's, I guess that's fine to a degree, but you're right. If he's trying to say, well, anybody can do this, well, clearly you can't. Right. So if you're if you're going to imitate and mimic and mock the people who are doing this, do it correctly. Uh, the only person he kind of did okay with was Naomi, but that's because you couldn't see who it was. Yeah. But here's the other thing I don't like. I don't like that they're playing the music, and then when the Titantron comes back up, it's got his logo all over it. Yeah. Because it kills the momentum of it. Because it would be different, too, if it was something where it was a Stone Cold or a Rock, you know, something like that, a Mick Foley. Any of those kind of situations where the music hits and you get it on that first note. You're not getting the pops on the first notes, and all you're kind of doing is setting up to fail, I think, in this case. Because you either are wasting everybody's time with Dolph Ziggler and he's getting heat for the wrong reasons... 
or you're burying the talent that he's mimicking, saying they're no good. He's now twice used a female wrestler to make his point, which I think is with everything they're trying to do, and I understand that's not what he's trying to do. That's not the, the idea. Yeah. But he's buried two female talents and three male talent, current male talents. Well, with Warrior, that would be two current male talents and one legacy. But yeah, and also I think it'd be better if he just did one a week. I I, I just for me it's like when you come up with a gimmick or you come up with a you know angle, it's more important where it's going to go than how well it hits the first couple weeks. So even though this has hasn't hit well for me the first couple weeks, if it goes somewhere good then i can be behind it the problem is i don't see where it's going i don't see how a hot feud can come out of this i only see two directions this goes this either is dolph ziggler versus bobby Roode, or dolph ziggler versus Sami Zayn. and the only reason i say bobby Roode is what he's doing is mimicking entrances mm-hmm. who are the two superstars who have the best entrances right now on smackdown it's Nakamura, who's currently tied up in the title picture, mm-hmm. and Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode has not been on TV. was not on TV this week, and he was not on TV last week. He There was a vignette last week, and there was nothing this week. Which is weird. Which is very, very weird. So, Which is weird. Very weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I could I, see I it going my to... Inner I could see it going to a match with Bobby Roode, but, you know... Would it's, it surprise you if it was Sami Zayn? A little bit. Could you, could you see him coming out and mimicking Sami Because I think this starts the exact same way, either person. It it starts with that person being insulted, mm-hmm. and he that person comes out to defend themselves. The reason I say Bobby Roode is because he has a very specific entrance, mm-hmm. and he has a very popular but, but entrance. But then again, if Ziggler's not going to nail it, it's not going to be as effective. If he comes out to glorious but doesn't hit the glorious pose and well, that, just flails around... That part should be very easy. You would think it should be easy to do Cena's. All he does is stop, drop the towel, and run. It should be easy to do uh, Bailey. <laughs> you know? It certainly should be easy to do Warrior. Yeah. And he's overdo. I never thought I could see somebody overdo Warrior's That's entrance. That's very and true. And Dolph Ziggler, to his credit, was able to do it. I will... Really quickly, before we bury Dolph Ziggler any further, I watched five minutes of Dolph Ziggler selling, which was a video that was shared by another wrestler that I watched this week, and it is the it is such a wonderful five minutes. Not because Ziggler is like eating finisher after finisher, which he is, but you are reminded how good of a worker he is and how yeah. good he can sell. He is a very good in-ring guy, especially for WWE. But they've never nailed his character. Well, that's the thing. It's like if if he was doing what he's like this new character. If he was doing what he says he's doing, anybody can do that. Nobody can do this. You could get behind it because there's truth to it. But they're just so loose with it, and I don't know. Anyway, the question is, how long does this go on? Hopefully, before something changes, before well, will we let this run for another like two weeks until after No Mercy before they finally give some direction to this? I don't know. We'll have to see. There was 
a lot better stuff on SmackDown this week. So oh, we SmackDown should... was a great show. SmackDown was a that great we show. Are, we picked out the worst part about it, yep. and they were just picking it to death. But SmackDown was actually a very good show. SmackDown was a was a C pay-per-view, which... So you have your big four. Those are your yep. A pay-per-views. All the other pay-per-views are essentially B pay-per-views. C pay-per-views are like your super huge television shows, and that's what SmackDown was. It was worthy of the special attention it got. I would there was, say... There was only one match that really wasn't any good, and that was Naomi and Natalia, and part of that was just the weirdness outside. I wouldn't say it wasn't any good. It, it was, wasn't... It was a solid seven-minute match. In comparison. And it's not anything to do with the talent. Yeah. I feel like having Carmella at ringside hurt it, because honestly, the better storyline right now is Carmella and Ellsworth and Naomi and Natalia. And it, it, and you know it took the attention away because every four shots, there was a shot of Carmella mm-hmm. sitting at ringside. And it's like, this is a championship match, and you've built it up, and you've already had two really good championship matches between Dillinger and Styles to open the show, and then a really good tag team match between yeah, New Day and maybe Usos. Maybe the best match between those two teams who always... Which, deliver which is impressive it it we before we end we need to have a conversation about how they've completely killed the new day uso feud by having it so frequently and constantly yeah um but well, really, I, I think we just had it <laughs> well before right before we get there naomi natalia was not a bad match but in comparison it felt really weak it felt like between that and ziggler which i believe were back-to-back segments were the really low weak points of the show. Here's a thing that I've, you know, discovered, and I don't think they foresaw it when they decided to do what they did. When you have the money in the bank on the male side of the roster, there's a lot of layers for that money in the bank holder to get lost in before they cash in to have a strong effect. When you do it on the female side of which you only have six or seven performers on a show, there's no layers for that person to get lost in. So it's always going to overshadow what's going on in the title picture. It's always going to be right there next to people's minds. There's never going to be a moment where you can have a surprise cash-in that you didn't even expect because it's it. there's nowhere for the female money in the bank holder to go. When the money in the bank is done correctly, it's unexpected. And it's unexpected because the briefcase carrier is kept away from the championship. Yeah, and it's always been this really, like, last thing on your mind. Well, I guess in more recent years, people have kind of considered, well, you know, the heel could win here, and then, or the babyface could finally get it, but they'll take it away with the heel money in the bank. So it's. Sometimes it's predictable, but the best cash-ins that you can remember were always, you know, like Edge and and, and um, not Rob Van Dam because he announced his, but CM Punk the first time, the first CM Punk, the even Miz. CM Punk the second time was big, but the Miz is right up in yeah. that list too, and he it's should like, be. Whoa, you know, yeah, like, the, out these, of nowhere. These were really big moments, and you look at. Um, didn't Randy Orton have the Money in the Bank a couple of years ago? Didn't he beat Daniel Bryan for the title? Am I misremembering this? Um, if if so, it would have been like right before WrestleMania 30. 30. Yeah. Yes, I believe it was the SummerSlam prior. Yeah. 
if I remember this correctly, I apologize if I'm mistaken. Again, we have done no prep. Uh, yeah, no prep. No prep. But the last couple of Money in the Bank winners were Kane, who cashed in immediately. Mm-hmm. Which is also not a good use of it. Uh, Dean Ambrose did the same thing the following year. Actually, I'm not opposed to what Dean Ambrose did. Part of it was out of necessity, but actually for Dean Ambrose's character, it makes a lot of sense that he would be impatient and just cash in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the brand split worked out great for him because he was the title carrier heading over to SmackDown. So that one, I think they played well. I think they did a nice job with that. However, they, they have a great opportunity with Carmella the other Money in the Bank briefcase is no longer in play. Mm-hmm. With Baron Corbin failing to cash in, which is going to haunt his career. Starting to feel like deal or no deal. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but there's one briefcase now. There's just the one, and it's Carmella's. And I I kind of understand them like playing up that Ellsworth is going to screw it up, which it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because like he helped her win it twice mm-hmm. and it's a situation where okay well let's evolve that character a little bit more why does she have to be at every championship match because all you've done is made it where there's you're you're eliminating the surprise and now if she disappears for like two weeks we're gonna feel like oh she's gonna cash in the next chance she gets which is not necessarily what you want you need to keep her away from that, and wouldn't that be a great way to use your women's division? Have two separate competing storylines going on at the same time. Have your championship storyline over here, and then have whatever Carmella's doing over here. I mean, that's that a great way to highlight healthier. somebody in the mid card. Yeah, that would be healthier, but I don't, I don't think they're gonna do that. I think that it's just gonna stay like that. I think the best thing they could do for as far as if you're searching for a surprise cash in. You have Ellsworth come down dressed as Carmella with the briefcase in a way that when running fast, you could almost mistake, you know, with the wig on and everything like that. Um, You know, he goes in, cashes in, whoever's the champ lays it into him, not realizing. And then Carmella slides in from behind and takes advantage and gets the win and runs out of there. I think the way to do that, because Ellsworth does look much different than than Carmella. Yeah. Um would probably be to have him come out of the crowd and do it. That would Have be him funny. come out of the crowd. She has worn outfits where she has a hood. So have him pull the hood up and that's I think how you could pull that off. I don't know if they'd be willing to do that cuz I If feel they like- did it, I would want Elsworth as part of the disguise to have a plastic chin. <laughs> Well, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that would seem so awkward, I think. Um, this is weird. We've now turned into some very weird territory. Yeah. I'm imagining Ellsworth with a Carmella chin prosthetic. Yep. This is odd. <laughs> um, let's move on to how the New Day and Usos feud has been ruined before... <laughs> Before we, I don't think it's been ruined because they're so good. I think if they were any less good, it would have been. But I'd watch them fight again. So uh, when I say it's ruined, I mean that their potential has really been hurt by this because this is could have been easily the tag team feud of the year, and I think it still very well could be. 
However, mm. well, see, that's my point. I actually think this is worthy of that contention, but we've seen it so much now, and we are now so overblown with all of the matches and everything. They haven't let them be apart since they started feuding against each other. And they've they've done a lot on TV, which is weird. Every week. Yeah. Um I think And it if, had such it had great to, momentum. I liked if you put it to you like this, like if they if when the New Day came to SmackDown and actually showed up on SmackDown to Sin City SmackDown last Tuesday, if they had not fought at all and that was their first match, it would have been totally different. It would have been, you know, people would be like, This is match of the year. Of course, there would have had to be enough interaction for them to make it a street fight, but they've had you know regular matches with no stipulations that have been just as exciting. Well, and I think there was a way to do this, and they they started on it early, having the rap battle. Remember that way back when? Yeah. Having the rap battle, and that's one way to do that. I think back to the summer of I think it was two thousand seven with Matt Hardy and MVP. MVP was hurt at the time, but was the U.S. champion. And so, instead of sidelining the two of them or having Matt get into a different feud, they decided to keep the feud going, but they did everything but wrestle. And mm-hmm. the whole summer was MVP doing these crazy things to get out of wrestling Matt Hardy, including winning the tag team championships so that they wouldn't get into a feud, so they wouldn't actually wrestle. If the Usos were doing something like that, I, I think this would have been a lot better. If you had... A lot of different things where it was... And with the New Day and the Usos, it can be serious and it can be goofy. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of different dimensions this can go. Do an arm wrestling contest. Do... I don't know. Do something crazy and out there. Like, do, you know, a drinking contest as much as you can do on PG television. (laughs) Um, You know, whatever you can do. Like, find ways to get a dunk contest. Whatever you have to come up with. I'm just thinking back to that Matt Hardy MVP feud. It was so good. Um, I, you know, Matt like Hardy had a lot of perfect. good stuff over the years. Remember when, um, remember when Shannon Moore was training Matt Hardy so he could get below the cruiserweight weight limit? Yes, that was great. Um, there's so many wonderful. Matt Hardy's career has been just fantastic. If he doesn't go in the Hall of Fame, nobody else deserves to. Oh yeah. Um, wonderful. Um, so I feel like that's overexposure is what's hurt this. Uso's New Day rivalry and what has been one of WWE's best rivalries of the year. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, I don't think it's ruined, but I think that it's peaked. Whereas it could have peaked later on at a much higher intensity, but now that they've, you know, done it so much, this is as good as it's gonna get. Which is still good. And they but had- it could have been a lot more big time feel they could have had a wrestlemania moment out of it and i don't think if they stretch it out to wrestlemania now that it'll have any of that umph behind it it'll probably be like a pre-show thing at most if they even face off because the other thing is the tag team division on smackdown is pretty thin i mean and now they're thinking about breaking up the hype bros i guess that's what they were alluding to so it's like it's gonna get even thinner what do you do at wrestlemania your biggest match possible is New Day versus Usos, but you've done it so much. Well, you're going to have at least one NXT import between now and then. Authors of Pain, I'm assuming. But... That's that's where I'm that's where I'm thinking they're going to go. Although I can immediately assume they're going to ruin them because they don't know how to handle uh, yeah, those kind of teams. You um, never know. Well, 
It's speaking of other tag teams. Did you see Shelton Benjamin take the worst bump in the history of bump kind during their tag match? I don't know what you're talking about. He t- go back and watch this after we're done. Not right now. But he you took can't stop me from opening my web browser and looking. He took a missile drop kick from Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder's coming off the top, drop kicked, and he just you know, you really got to make that bump impactful sell that drop kick he just like eased like an old woman into a bath down to the mat reached down grabbed the mat before he fell and it was just like come on Shelton Benjamin is one of the greatest of all time in ring performers with the the ability the athleticism and everything that he has and he gives that bump what was he expecting for Zack Ryder to come off the top rope with something that would necessitate crumbling down like that I just I don't get it. I don't get it. When are they... I have no idea. I would like to see a big match moment between Shelton Benjamin and Randy Orton. I think they need to cash in on that fully. I don't know... They they were from the same class in OVW. What's Randy Orton up to? The last thing he did was at SummerSlam against Rusev. Yeah. And Since then, he has competed against Shinsuke Nakamura for yeah. the right to face Jinder Mahal and Hell in a Cell, which Nakamura won. What What's Randy Orton up to? <laughs> was he even on the show this week? He was not. Yeah, I didn't think so. That's weird, because he's one of the biggest names. Um, I don't know, but I think I think him and Shelton Benjamin could have a great match. And I think it's like... So, like, there was a class. It was Brock Lesnar. It was Batista. It was Randy Orton. It was John Cena. And it was Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. We've seen the other four in every combination possible, pretty much, besides Batista Lesnar. Um, which we'll never get to see, which is a little sad now that I think about it. That yeah, would be, that would be, a, that would be such a perfect WWE match, too. It's just two big hosses just going at it. The well, big powerhouse versus the arguably, Arguably, it's bigger now than ever. Because you have Drax, you have a member of the Marvel Universe, oh. and you have this UFC legend. And except for, like... Lesnar at this point probably isn't interested in that, and neither is Batista. Probably not. Batista but... is more interested in facing off against Triple H. I think Batista is more interested in in not nothing with WWE right now, especially since he got fined a hundred grand for blading in a match a few years back because blood's off limits. He's long since made that money back. Yes, but unless you're Vince. And you take a legit headbutt. We'll we'll get to that. Because that, there's a big thing about that. I mean... Okay, so Shelton Benjamin, Randy Orton... That's what I want to see. I think that's a match that is a diamond in the rough on SmackDown right now that could be dug up and could be polished off and presented at WrestleMania. Well, you know Orton would win and Shelton Benjamin would take the most hellacious RKO you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you know I those, think it'd be great. You know those those compilation videos on YouTube of just Randy Orton randomly RKOing everybody who happens to fall off a building? That would be... A, that, you would see that in real life. Shelton Benjamin would go to, like, the top of whatever state... For, he would go up into the rafters... He's not Shane McMahon. ...of the Hold Superdome. <laughs> he would go up into the rafters, and Orton would follow him, and they would do an RKO from up there. And then uh, Shane McMahon would have to jump out of a helicopter. Because he would not be soon. beaten. He wasn't hurt. No one was hurt. There was a crash pad in the water. 
We all saw it. <laughs> he, he's taken he's taken pumps off the Tron harder than that. That's true. Um, um, no, but I th- I think Shelton Benjamin and Randy Orton would be a great match. And do you remember um, Shelton Benjamin took that gnarly Sweet Chin music? Yes, which Springbird that Sweet ended Chin up. Music. It was Raw 2005. Uh, that was as before they did stuff like that. Yes, that was that was before you saw stuff like Roman Reigns spearing somebody in midair. Yeah. Please don't do that ever again, Roman. All you've done is hurt people. Um, yes, that is one of. The, they had that in the Raise open. Raise your hand to Monday if you've Night been Raw. Personally victimized by Roman Reigns. My Ryan hand raised is up. His hand. I've been personally victimized by Roman Reigns. Um, anywho, he. <laughs> This that would be a really good matchup, Orton versus Benjamin. I, I don't so. see it happening anytime soon. We've got to go with this weird chemistry experiment that is Gable and Benjamin. I, it's slightly offensive, right? A little bit. <laughs> All they did was replace Jason Jordan with Shelton yeah. Benjamin, and they're it's not so interchangeable. Awkward. No, they're not. They're two very different people, and you can see their lack of chemistry from the entrance. Yeah. Chad Gable ran into Shelton Benjamin during their entrance this week. Plus, Shelton Benjamin's, like, a lot bigger than Chad Gable. Shelton Benjamin's bigger than Jason Jordan. Yeah. Shelton Benjamin is huge. I would love to see him standing next to some bigger guys right now because he looks so much bigger than everybody he's in the ring with right now. Benjamin put on some muscle. He's a big... He was always muscular, but he's he's bigger now. He was always... He was always muscular, but my man's been in the gym. You know, it's crazy. Like, you go back to that even as late as like 07 and the guys were so much bigger and i know there's a cynical response you could give to that i actually don't give that response because i think most of them probably were clean yeah i mean a lot of them probably but like even the smaller guys from back then like like obviously like shelton benjamin he was a small he was part of you know world's greatest tag team with charlie haas poor charlie haas and when they were next to you know jbl or Kurt Angle, or these other guys, they look small. And now you put them back in, and they're the biggest guys. I don't know about Charlie Haas, but I know that uh, Shelton Benjamin's <laughs> definitely in that camp. What's Charlie Haas up to? Can we get him back? Uh, you, you could fill five minutes. That would be so funny. You want to they... fill a minute, and I'll look up what Charlie Haas is up to? <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if Charlie Haas came back and kicked Chad Gable out of American Alpha? <laughs> and American Alpha was... Yeah. And it's just Charlie like, and Chad Benjamin. Gable's like, what are you guys... Like, first you take away my tag partner, then you replace me with Charlie freaking Haas. Are you kidding me? Uh, Charlie Haas is semi-retired, according mm. to his Wikipedia page. Um... Fill up another minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly read up on his career. Okay. Well, our crack researchers, uh, crack research staff is researching Charlie Haas. Um, I think let's let's recap some of Charlie Haas's uh, best moments. Remember when he did a thing similar to Dolph Ziggler and he dressed up as Haas Hogan, uh, Stone Cold. Haas Austin or yes, Steve that Austin. Was, they brought him back for that. They yeah. reunited the world's greatest tag team, split them up again, and he was on Raw. I think this was in like 2009. Um, and for what... There it is. There it is. I Haas just Hogan. found a picture of it on his Wikipedia page. Yes. This was essentially what... Uh, oh, who was just doing this? Curtis Axel and Damian Sandow were doing, although Axel and Sandow were uh, the... Uh, what was... Mega Kurt- Powers. Yes, but I'm trying to think, like, didn't Curtis Axel and Damian Sandow have, like, names other than just Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage? 
I think, but Macho Mandel. Yep. Macho Mandel. Mm-hmm. And um Oh, what was what was what was uh, Curtis Axel's name? This is so important. It's so important. Though. Stop the episode. Look this up right now. I am. We were just talking about Charlie Haas. I like that when you Google the name Curtis Axel, the first picture that comes up is neither Curtis nor Axel. <laughs> it's, yes, it is neither Curtis nor Axel. It is the Miz and Enzo Amore. Can we talk about the Miz and Enzo Amore's promo and how awful it was? It No. How about we talk about how awful Enzo Amore was and how great the Miz was? No, I'm I'm talking about the whole premise, okay? It's it was like First off, when did the thing with Enzo happen where he got kicked off the bus or out of the locker room? Like, that was like, like six months ago, eight months ago, maybe. Yes, but he has carried that reputation. Right. So it's A, it's old news. B, well, A, it's insider, you know, super fan news, smart mark news. B, it's old smart mark news. C, you have an arena full of kids who don't know what you're talking about. Who didn't watch that one obscure episode of Bring It to the Table and thought and didn't think that that one obscure episode was good enough to become a storyline? This was like WCW Vince Russo weird bad. Just so we're clear, I still popped for it, uh, and so did everyone. Every Smark. That was the best way to identify the Smarks because the Smarks in the building popped for it. Yeah, and I popped for it. Yeah. Um, to be clear, Curtis Axel was known as Axelmania. There we go. Uh, I thought he had a different name, but no, he was Axelmania and Macho Mandel. The important- I like when they gave him the name Curtis Axel. Like he's the grandson of Larry the Axe Hennig. He's the son of Kurt Hennig. Therefore, his name is Curtis Axel. Doesn't now- this remind you of somebody? They tried this before. What was his name? Oh yeah, Rocky Maivia. Only- Were they going to change his name to the Axe? I think that was the original plan. I honestly think that was the original plan. They were going to call him the axe. Do you hear what the axe is chopping? (laughs) You've written his gimmick. You have filled in the holes. Uh, So, yes, Miz and Enzo. Here's where what Miz Miz and Enzo lacked that Cena and Reigns had. And what they've had for the last couple of weeks, which I'm surprised they're keeping this up and doing a good job at it. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it, but there's also like, so there's like if if I hang on, really hang on. try Before to suspend my disbelief, I can enjoy it. But what they're saying is so ludicrous that it's hard to do that. Are we still talking about Miz and Enzo? Or are we talking about Reigns and Cena? Reigns and Cena. Can we talk about Miz and Enzo and then talk about yes. Reigns and Cena? So Miz and Enzo. Here's the problem. Uh, what was that? Can you hear something me? Something popped. I, I think that was my mic, but it's working now. Uh, <laughs> See, folks, we get pops. Here on the Over the Barricade podcast. Cheap Seat Studio filmed in front of a live studio audience. Uh, a very quiet live studio audience. There's a, there's a picture of Jim Ross on the wall. Signed picture of Jim a Ross. Signed Thank picture you. of Jim Ross. Signed picture of Teddy Long, that scoundrel. And who's the guy? Is that the guy from... Uh, hold on. Don't tell me. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. <laughs> Another podcast. Not this one. Is that the guy? Uh, P.O.D.? Yes. Ah, I got it right. That is Sonny Sandoval. He is the lead singer of P.O.D. That is a signed picture of him. I I can't believe I got that right. 
yes, POD was... So that's our live studio audience. Yes, that is our... Well, and Peter Bondra, the Washington Capitol. Okay, I would not have gotten that one. His name is on the sheet. <laughs> it is. It's right there. It says Peter Bondra in writing. Like, not even his writing. It's literally printed on the on in the bold air. letters. <laughs> wow. This has turned weird. More right. so than usual. Ms. and uh, so, so Enzo here's the deal Mori. with That's Here's the deal about. with Enzo. Enzo was in character. Ms., who was also in character didn't feel like he was in character yeah when you start trying to throw miz who's trying to shoot which he's been doing for a year over a year now and very well might mm-hmm. i add you might and i did versus enzo who clearly as good as enzo can be on the mic at times he was not it's like he wasn't ready for what was happening. See, but I feel like I, I've i heard Enzo say, like, this is me. What you see is what you get. This is how I really am. You know, I'm EA all day. Except for I've heard him actually talk and that he's not that all the time. Yeah, so it's like, that's could, the thing. If you want to blend it, like, like, I've never heard Randy Savage talk not like Macho Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, he's always had that, oh, yeah. Bones always Cream ready. the crop. Yeah. He's always had that, right? Snap to his lifter. <laughs> Was he constipated? I think he might have been. I'm just thinking of Ready to Rumble. <laughs> Did I tell you I showed my girlfriend that movie the other day? Oh, uh, you still have a girlfriend? I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked that it didn't. that didn't change. Would you like to continue? This this is the weirdest. This like, has gone off the rails. So there many are times. no rails on this podcast. This is like we're at a bowling alley, and I threw the bowling ball, and it hit the pins nine lanes down. Like, but at least it hit. That's the pins. cute that you think we hit the pins. <laughs> it's you duck, kidding me? It's, it's in duck the, bowling. There's a lot more pins. Okay? It's in the parking lot right now. Um, but anyway, um, let's 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 jump into uh, John Cena Roman Reigns because I feel like uh, feel like we've been going on for a little while. We have been. John Cena and Roman Reigns continue their, their feud in which Roman Reigns proves that he is not as good a promo as John Cena. Here's the thing. If you, like, obviously it's scripted, even though they're trying to, you know, blur the line between, you know, fiction and reality. This is, it, it feels very work shoot. It's, it's very, it's the definition, actually, of work shoot. And here's the thing. For that to be successful, you need to have enough truth in it to get it over. And the, as the weeks go on, the level of truth is receding, and the level of what WWE wants you to believe but it is not true is increasing rapidly, exponentially. For instance, ticket sales. Roman Reigns claims that ticket sales have been up, have been doing just fine under his rule as the guy the big dog not true it's not true i mean have you, even since city smackdown which you know i know he's not on but half you know almost half of the the arena on the camera side was blocked off and and this has been happening on raws it's been happening in house shows where roman reigns has been out and headlining so it's like it's not true you can't use that as fodder for your promo uh what else did he say that was just like ridiculous oh john cena's never had a good match okay not I, true. it's not true i am the first one to nitpick john cena's work everyone's done it there's obvious holes john cena makes fun of it himself 
You know, but to say John Cena's never had a good match or Roman Reigns has had more good matches in the last two years than Cena's had in his whole career is just freaking crazy. It just doesn't make any sense. So, like, how can you expect people to buy into this work shoot if what you're saying is just ludicrous? Like, it doesn't matter if you start out calling each other uh, the B word, which we can't say, right? No, we we are not allowed. Okay, it doesn't matter if you start calling each other the B word or saying each other suck or saying that John Cena can't make it in Hollywood, so he has to come back to wrestling. It doesn't matter if you're saying that if the next sentence out of your mouth is, "And I'm nine feet tall and I weigh seven thousand pounds and I have the power of seven suns," you know, like you you've got to keep it in the box. And to me. What they're saying is just as crazy as all that hyperbole. I think that I made this comment a couple weeks ago, by the way, uh, about I felt like when they did that contract signing, that should have been the finale of the the TV feud. And now they've now had to go into week three. Yep. And there's still two weeks left. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Next week is the go home show for No Mercy. Uh, so they have one more show to try and get this over. Now, again, Cena continues to prove that he outshines Roman as a promo guy, which we all already knew. Nobody was disputing that. However, Cena continues to prove why he's more entertaining than than Roman Reigns as well, even though I... I I think Reigns is the better wrestler. He's better in ring, but both of them are very similar in the fact that they both need a guy who matches well with them in order to make it work. That's yep. part of the reason if you look at those AJ they both have now faced AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. Arguably the best matches either of the two have ever had. And yep. I say arguably because I definitely think it's Roman Reigns' best matches. I say arguably because John Cena has a massive career that is littered with really good matches and I immediately think back to the Shawn Michaels feud back in 2007, mm-hmm. their WrestleMania match, and then their hour-long well, follow-up. Well, that I mean, wrong. you just made the point there. there. There's guys that can work and have a great match with anyone, but usually those aren't the guys that become the top star. The top star is usually a guy whose quality of match goes down and up depending on who he's working with. Um, Triple H was the exact same way, by the way. He was just like Roman Reigns and John Cena. If he was with a real crappy opponent, his match quality would go down. There was only so much he could do. But if he was with a really great opponent, he would have some of the greatest matches of all time. So they're both in that same boat. But I think that Roman Reigns can get away with a little more. I think you know, from it might just be that he's younger or comes from a different style of wrestling, grew up in wrestling. I don't know. But he just seems to have a more fluidity to his work. He's not as, you know... Robotronic as Cena is. You don't get necessarily the five moves of Doom comparison, even though Reigns is very, very heavy on his Sometimes, Sometimes he verges into that, you know, but there's not... When the moment's right, the moment's right to just use your big moves. I mean, look at the four-way that was awesome that they had at SummerSlam. It was just their big moves, you know? Yeah. And it worked, you know? But there comes a time when you got to switch it up, and I think Reigns can switch it up more. But it'll be well, interesting to see what happened because basically what's happened over the last couple weeks is is Reigns has been buried. It's a very strange way if they're trying to get Reigns over. This is the strangest way I've ever could think of doing it 
because they've just been burying him. And it's like, what happens? He either wins or he loses against Cena. If he wins, it's like, what? Like, he's been crapped on for three weeks and then he beats Cena? That doesn't do anything. It's not like Cena's going to get up and shake his hand. And even if he does, it's like, that doesn't make any sense based on what they've just done. You know, they just tore each other new ones. And This is why the best version of Roman is the one that doesn't talk. Yeah. And it's not that Roman is not a terrible promo. I have seen many worse. However, he is definitely not elite. Um, and he is absolutely not on the same plane as John Cena. So putting him out there in this environment, he's always going to get beat. This is why the Roman Reigns, when I first assumed when Cena started talking about him a couple of weeks ago, I assumed that. Reigns was simply going to drop the microphone and tackle Cena. That would have been a better way to go. Don't even have Roman try and get into into a war of words with him. Just take him down. Yeah, I think the do mistake- what you need to do because Reigns is a huge guy and maybe big, I think he's bigger than Cena. I mean, use that to your advantage. Use the fact that he's hyper athletic. Try and show those off because that's how you get both of these guys over. Cena at this point in his career. You can rely on his promo, and he's going to sell the match. At this point in time, Roman's not going to be able to talk people into a building. It's just, it's not going to happen. And this this week on Raw, it Roman decided, they, they decided to have Roman go after Cena's, Cena struggling in Hollywood when he's, the last two years have been the best of his Yeah, and he's about to go do a career. major Transformers spinoff, so it's like... And he's he's in a Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell movie that's coming out later this year. Yeah. He's got an animated movie that he's the star of for DreamWorks uh, early next year, plus the Transformers spinoff you were talking about. I mean, I would say it, fe- it falls flat because, again, it's not true. Yeah. It's and not even based in truth. No, there's nothing yeah. there, and it's his whole point. It feels like they feel really lazy when they're either writing for him or how he gets to that delivery. Because the whole point was to say, "I know a guy who can help you out," which was to call back to the Rock. Okay, right. That makes sense, except for none of your points leading to it do. And then, of course, well, it would have been Cena, good there if Cena would have said, "Yeah, maybe you should call him and get help on your promos." <laughs> that would have been the best, but Cena didn't have to do that. And then, of course, Cena's last barb was pointing out that Roman failed his drug test. Yeah, and he basically said but that was a while ago, right? That was last year. That was just over a year I mean, ago. But that's still that was the brand in wrestling split. terms. That's a while. Not a while enough. That's still like that's I. I'd say that's enough because you. What is one thing WWE never brings up? But that was, wasn't that like Adderall or something? That wasn't even like I could see if it was. Well, they never say what it is. That's the point. Yeah. They WWE television like, never brings instance, it up. They always do it in case. Randy Orton did the same thing to Lesnar after Lesnar got popped in his Mark Hunt fight. He said, I, I'm going to beat you, no enhancement needed or something. Yes, he did. And that, and that worked because that was like fresh. Well, and now last year as well, Seth Rollins also used it in yeah. their feud. Remember, they, there was going to be a triple threat members of the Shield matchup at Battleground last year. Winner takes the WWE title. And... Roman was suspended for the entire buildup of that match. I remember that. Yeah. His suspension ended right before that match. So they put he was in the match because that's the match they wanted. And 
Seth Rollins helped build that match by pointing out the drug test over and over and over and over again. So, just in the last year and a half, they've started doing that. Now, Lesnar, the difference with Lesnar is Lesnar never failed WWE's protocol mm-hmm. that we know of. He failed the USADA drug testing, which is U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. We talked about it with John Jones. Yeah, a little uh, more thorough than, I'm assuming, WWE's. Well, we have no idea. Nobody yeah. really knows about WWE's because they're very, very secretive as to what it is. That's not to dispute it. Allegedly, it's done some very good things, but because they keep it in the dark and they keep it on the corporate side that they don't show on the public side, we just don't know. We only ever know about the announcements of suspensions, which, if you remember last year, there was a slew of suspensions, and none of those people have come back. Yeah. Uh, the only person who might be coming back is Paige, as that murmur gets a little bit louder that she might be coming back to WWE soon. Well, that's, um, that's, I mean, we'll see how it ends. If Roman loses to Cena, it's... I actually yeah. think it makes sense. But it's like, how does he come back? You know? Because, obviously, they're trying to cash in on that, like, Rock Cena promo style, but Roman's not The Rock. As and much as they want you to remember that he's related to him, he is not The Rock. He's better in some ways, and he's worse in others. I think he's better for today's wrestling. Yeah. And, um... But so not like, as a promo. If he loses, though, where does he go from here? And also, does he keep this character? Does he bring this kind of shooting, you know, verbal character into his feuds from now? Like, remember, The Miz started with Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, and he's kind of kept it ever since. Do you feel like The Miz is just chomping at the bit for a Roman Reigns feud? Because he would eviscerate Reigns on, on Mike. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, that's what you really need. It, it, you can't have everyone do it. But you do need to utilize it because it will get people interested. And I, I think you need to use it sparingly, though. That's the right. trick. Why is this working? Why are people so invested and engaged? Why was that clip from two weeks ago, the first promo that they had where they tried this between CNN and Reigns, why was that so successful and why did that draw so, many, so much attention? It is because they don't do it. The right. only guy who even shows a modicum of that is the Miz, and even he doesn't use it all the time. Right. He uses it when it's necessary, and I think for that Enzo match, it was necessary because it got the correct emotion in place for but Enzo it, ruining like, his announcement. But didn't like, like was Enzo supposed to be the babyface there? Because that's oh you no, know, Enzo got booed. Enzo like, got booed repeatedly, and I think Enzo was supposed to be the babyface. And if you if you watch his entrance, everybody's into it. As soon as the Miz cuts into him, Enzo started getting booed. And as the as it went along, and as Enzo kept talking, he got booed more and more and more. And Enzo, as much as I like Enzo and Gas coming out of NXT, and as much as I hope that Enzo can get us get everything right and not end up being the next JTG, <laughs> there's a name from the past. I I fear for Enzo because. Something like this does nothing but bury him. He doesn't come out looking good. He doesn't come out like a good face. He doesn't come out like a good promo. He doesn't come out like a good wrestler. And who was the sympathetic figure? The Miz. Miz, Who just announced that they were having a baby. Congratulations. Mazeltov. Mizeltov. I don't know. I I hope that's true and it's not just part of story because good for them. I don't know why they would 
do it like that if it I wouldn't wasn't think true. so. It didn't feel like it was work. It didn't, yeah. it felt it felt real. Like if, if it was a work, they would have the they would be going ridiculous with it. They did it in a very subtle way for they the did. WWE, which probably means it's true. I but would say so. If we're we should wrap it up soon, but what I want to we have to talk about it. And I know this has been a very WWE-centric episode. Oh, but- yeah. There's been a lot that's happened in the last week. Um, you know we haven't talked about the Mae Young Classic at all? Well, that's still WWE, but... I understand that. I'm not disputing that. We should give a quick shout-out. All right, not a quick shout-out. Can we do, like, two minutes of, of that, and then we can finish with whatever you want to finish with? Yeah. Okay. The Mae Young Classic. Your biggest problem with the Mae Young Classic, because I know you and I lightly talked about this earlier. I just... I don't like the weird, what do they call it? Presentation? Um, yeah, well. Launch? It, it was like a staggered binge, which doesn't, those two things don't go together. You can't say, watch all this in one sitting, two weeks in a row, and then a third week live. No. If they had an extra week. I binge, you know how I binge stuff? I binge stuff with a bowl of cereal in front of my face. It's 3 a.m., I haven't. I can't sleep, and I'm like, you know what? Let's whatever the show is. You know what? Let's watch Star Trek: The Next Generation. How about that? Or you know, you're like, let's let's get through that. Which by Deadliest the way, catch. Yes, thank you, C- clever. But by the way, Star Trek: The Next Generation first episode is like it feels like it's like four hours long because it's a long episode. So if you're gonna watch it, be wary of that. Anyway. But that's not – you don't binge stuff on a schedule. No, you binge stuff when you should be doing other things with your life, but you're not because you're binging something. And if WWE doesn't understand that, if if enough people on – you know, with enough pool ha- don't have Netflix accounts to ha- actually have experienced this. Because I don't think it – I don't think the older generation gets it as much. I think it's a very millennial thing, you know. I think it – so – they 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 kind of biffed it. Rob, Robbie Radke and and Kelly McMurphy, those those kind of millennials. Which promotion? That's a good question. Because the millennials Who, change per promotion. They are in multiple promotions, are they not? We're everywhere. Oh, okay. Um. Anyways, the here's where I think they went wrong. The if you're gonna release in that style. If you're not going to do it week to week like they did with the Cruiserweight Classic, which was the best way to do it, by the way. If you're not going to do it that way, where you can have that build to the final, which the semifinal and the final were both great for that. That show, that last two-hour show with the two semifinal matches and then the final between TJP and... Um, oh, no, I said it last week and I've already forgotten Damn his Natalik. name. Yes, I almost said Lince Dorado and I knew it wasn't right. I'm mixing up my luchadors. Um, but you have... So you have that final and everybody... Even though that's not the final everybody wanted, a lot of people still heaped a lot of praise on it because it was still a really good match mm-hmm. and the whole presentation was great. Mm-hmm. Here's what they did wrong with May Young Classic. If you're going to do it where you're going to drop four episodes and then drop four episodes and then it's Why don't only- just drop eight and then wait two weeks? I almost feel like that would have been the better thing to do or... Make it a 64-person tournament, and you can add two episodes. If you, Here's the thing. You did everything over two weeks, and I think, honestly, that's what burned them. The, the Cruiserweight Classic, it wasn't just the matches. It wasn't just who was there. It was the build. 
The build was great. Knowing I could... I sat and watched the May Young Classic the entire first round in two sittings because I had to because everyone was talking about it and if I didn't, I would be behind and things would get spoiled. And I felt like in a way that kind of ruined it for me because I follow a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook that are into wrestling and are talking about this. But here's the thing. If you want to binge something, okay, so say you have... There's eight hours of the show you want to binge. You watch the first episode. You don't like it. So you don't watch any more of it, right? You don't You don't watch the first episode and go, that wasn't good, I'm not going to watch. But if they put out four episodes next week that depend on the episodes that I just didn't watch, I'll watch that. That doesn't work. You either like it or you don't like it. And if you like it, you're going to sit and watch it all at once. And if you... Don't like it, you're not going to watch it no matter how they, you know, stagger it. So just put out the first eight episodes, or better yet, put out the whole thing. I understand (laughs) that this was the plan before they had the matches. To your point, they made a mistake. They made a mistake with how they did the first four episodes. I was in anyways, because if nothing else, I had to watch it for this. But I was in regardless because the, the concept intrigued me. And I was going to, I, I buy the network, I'm going to put my time into watching this because I think it could be a big deal. And a lot of people were heaping praise on it. So, yes, I sat and I watched it. But for somebody who's just trying to watch the first episode, you know what you do? You put Kyrie Sane on in episode one, not episode four. Because the way they did that was, oh, well, they'll watch the first four episodes and then we'll have the best match at the end of the first four episodes, and that which was... Uh, Kyrie Sane versus Tessa Blanchard have that match and then everybody's going to be excited for next week and then next week happens and then everybody's going to be excited for the finals and then you have the finals for some reason you have them in Las Vegas in a Smackdown arena instead of at Full Sail where everyone would have been cheering the entire match and which is what they got right with the Cruiserweight Classic Um, I know I get why they did it in Vegas because they were able to get the stars of Glow. They were able to get the MMA people. A lot of those people are in Ronda LA. Rousey. Let's when we say MMA people, let's let's say who we really care about. Ronda Rousey. If, if for WWE, it's Ronda Rousey. The four horsewomen. Uh, but you're the other to, four horsewomen. <laughs> a lot of those people are in LA or Vegas, and so they're able to get all those people to come to the arena. If it's in full sale, I'm, I'm sure those Glow stars wouldn't have come out. And everything like that. So it, there was a pageantry to it being in Vegas, and it's kind of memorable. It's kind of memorable. I get that. Um, I liked the. It final. was also it was also too short. I was uh, blown away. One when, match is all you need. Yeah. Well, I understand that, but I was blown away when I turned it on, and it was a half hour. I thought it was at least an hour. I assumed they were. They announced another match. They announced that there was going to be a match before the final. It was going to be a six-way tag, hmm. a six-woman tag, that included six different competitors from that tournament. Maybe they thought people would tune out or not be as interested. I assume they did that because they did it in a SmackDown arena where they had to do 205 Live afterwards. I will say this. They wanted people to watch the Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler match. They wanted people to watch that because of what directly led into that was very, very enticing and made you want to keep watching. Um, they had everybody around. So they, they really wanted all eyes as possible on this, and that's why they did it the way they did it. They kept it short enough 
people wouldn't tune out. They had the stars. They had the big um, trophy, uh, the big ceremony at the end. The trophy is as big as Kyrie scene. And I kind of liked how they restrained themselves. I actually kind of like from the end of SmackDown with the last segment and Stephanie McMahon came out and they restrained Stephanie McMahon, not physically, but from a character standpoint. And they kind of restrained it here. They didn't shoot a big angle. They could have shot a big angle with Ronda Rousey. Uh, they could have had somebody come out and challenge. They could have put talked about the NXT women's title. But they didn't. They left it nice and clean. Um, which is, I think, going to be looked at favorably as time goes on. Because I think if you have this beautiful moment and then you clutter it with something, you cloud it with any of these gimmicks... You're going to look back and you're going to be like, well, they just did it to push the next storyline. Whereas now it's like this was a very classy way to do it. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with how it ended and how they handled that. I I guess I just disagree with what they did. I was I felt like I invested nearly I invested seven or eight hours into time before that watching all this build up. And I really enjoyed some of the women who got eliminated early. I was I thought that six woman tag would be a nice kind of build up to it. It just it all felt very rushed from the beginning to the end, which as much time as they had to put this together, I'm blown away that that happened because they they made a super condensed release schedule and then they couple it with a final that seemed not underwhelming but very very compressed and it didn't really have room to breathe. And that's something that just was a struggle for me because I was I sat and I looked forward to that and then I turn on the network and it's a 30 minute thing and it's like I spent an eight hours to build up to this eight hours in two weeks to build up to this 30 minute finale which means the wrestlers aren't going to go any more than 15 yeah I think um I think which I think Kyrie Sane could go longer than 15 I don't know if Baszler could because I think Baszler is still learning. They played learning. to her strength. But they did absolutely play to her strength. And it was not a masterpiece by any strength, by any stretch of the imagination. However, it really was a it was a good match, and the the environment did feel right. So I was I felt better about it. Mm-hmm. But I still think they made a mistake by not having it at full sale in the with the people that that kind of got them there. I think going forward, they should they should put less emphasis. One, doing things on the WWE Network to create moments on WWE television. I think they should do things that are self-contained in the network. Like, wouldn't it be great if they had, like, four, you know, opens or classics a year, you know? Say they, you know, in the wintertime they do the Mae Young Classic, and then in the spring they do the Cruiserweight Classic, and then in the summer they do the Tag Team Classic. You mean... Not dissimilar to what uh, New Japan does. You could do like a New Although Japan. Although New style. Japan is like all of their top stars, I think it almost feels like if you're on the network, it's because it's a pay per view, or you're not on the main roster. But I think it'd be a fresh presentation. Like like tennis almost works like that. Like they have four majors a year, and you know they're they're big events and things lead up to it. Of course, the difference is it's always the same. Or you know a lot of the same players in each of those tournaments, whereas this would be specific. You know, you'd have the women's tournament, the cruiserweight tournament, the tag tournament, and something else. 
um, and you'd, you'd go through these four 10-week periods a year, and you don't have to create a television show around them, or you don't have to sign all the people in them to the main roster. You can like bring them back the next year for the same tournament, give or take some people that have switched out, and then you get really cool, good storylines. You know, and then those people can go out into the independents and say, you know, I was the twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen this classic winner, you know your your they fourth, have that on their resume. Your fourth tournament has already happened this year. It's the UK tournament. They have a UK yeah. championship right now that's uh, that could be another thing. They, that is, they've done I, really nothing with it. They, I feel like they're not sure what they want to do with it. Somebody at the Jim Ross show that that I went to a few weeks ago asked him about that tournament and what's going on with the UK show. Jim Ross said that it is still in the works. It's still trying to be... It's They're still figuring it out, essentially. Which kind of blows my mind because that was in January. And one of your best matches that's happened in your company came from two people from that tournament much later on in Bate and Dunn. But, and, and Dunn, and Pete Dunn and Wolfgang had a decent NXT match on NXT mm-hmm. this week. So, I don't know what they're exactly thinking about doing. I don't know if, I know I originally heard they were planning on trying to make a show that was just the UK wrestlers. Um, I guess you'd do, do it kind of like NXT. Tournament. Do a UK... That's what I, I think if you're going to do, do... You have 52 weeks in a year. Say you want to do 10 weeks per tournament. Do five annual tournaments and leave it be. Too much. I would say I'd say you should do three to four in that case. Uh, no, because you got other things you can watch. And if you don't want to watch them, whatever. But, you know, you'll have constantly something to fill the same, you know, pick an hour slot. What, what, what NXT is... NXT uh, is at 8, 8 to 9 on Wednesdays. Uh, the Cruiserweight Classic was 9 to 10 in its time yeah. slot. Do 9 to 10 on Wednesdays, and every 10 weeks it changes to the, the next tournament. And then you'll get to see, like, what's popular, what's not. That's a good release strategy. Not whatever. Don't, don't do, like, don't try to, like, hotshot one major tournament a year, you know, or one to do. Well, I think tournaments... There are not enough tournaments in the WWE landscape, and that's something that New Japan has over WWE. Not that they're 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 in the same industry, but not that they're necessarily direct competition. But that's something that New Japan has that's appealing that WWE doesn't. And King of the Ring used to be a tournament that they would do that drew attention, and they burned it. They just ruined it over the course of time. Part of it was who they kept crowning, mm-hmm. and part of it was it that they crowned somebody. That they actually gave them a crown. A crown and a scepter, yeah. Yeah, that's a big... And a robe. Yeah. That's not cool. Mabel. Anyway. Um, you uh, wanted to end on something non-WWE. Is that correct? That's, that's not correct. correct. I was I was going to say this has <laughs> been a very WWE-centric episode. Um, there there has been some news outside of the WWE, but it, not anything near last week with all the major events that Bola. happened. Bola, Triple Mania... You know, the whole thing with Jeff Jarrett. Like, there was a lot going on last week. This week is kind of um, the big news. The main news is coming out of WWE. And I think everyone's talked about it, but maybe we should give our opinion on the uh, the final segment of SmackDown this week. Because for me, it was it was really special. You did say we were going to talk about this. Um, we are way over time. However, we do need to devote some time to the... Devote? 
I think I just said the boat. I've been hanging around you too much, you sailor. Um, anyways, the final segment on SmackDown, of course, was the Vince McMahon-Kevin Owens back-and-forth promo, which ended in Vince McMahon bloody. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin Owens contrite? Almost. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure what Kevin Owens was emoting at the very end uh, after Stephanie McMahon pointed in his face, but Vince bled on on television. Yeah, which he clearly didn't blade. He took a legit headbutt, and you saw it well up and start bleeding. Yeah, um... he's got that Ric Flair forehead going now. Thank well, goodness think... Ric Flair's okay, and I can make that joke. There, there's a, there's a way to do it where you blade and then put on some, um, like liquid skin or new skin. And so the cut is there and it's barely being held together. And if you, you do have to still take a pretty hard shot to open it back up, but it's, it's not as hard as you would have to do it to open up completely the hard way. And it's very hard for a direct headbutt like that to, to bust somebody open. You have to do it insanely hard. But here's the thing. So everybody with a microphone has talked about or typed about how it was reckless and it was dumb and it was stupid. And look at Shibata and what happened with Shibata. And that was not a Shibata headbutt. It wasn't a Shibata headbutt, but look what look what was the biggest headline this year in wrestling dealing with headbutts? It was Shibata, it was Shibata. nearly dying and he'll never wrestle again. Um, there's a concussion lawsuit against the WWE right now. That's very this the fire is being very stoked. So not only do you have in the same promo where Vince McMahon says that he's never lost a court case and will keep you in court forever until you give up. Do you also have a very, very devastating head traumatic thing? So I get all that. And people, I guess, are right to say all that. But I want to say that it was the greatest freaking moment of WWE television that I can remember for a long time. It tops... The ambulance thing between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, which Eric is Chappell is a bad EMT. He is still a bad EMT. Um, it, it 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 was like for me, it was so encouraging. I don't know. If, is that a weird word to use? It was so a little like, bit. Here's why, you know. For me, wrestling has always. I've always been an outcast. I've always been. Nah, I don't fit in with many people. I, if there's a group of people, I disagree with probably all of them. It's just, I don't know. It's just the way I am. And for me, wrestling was where I fit in. And wrestling was where the people that were in it were like-minded to me. And you can say that what they did was stupid. But here is how I took it. Vince McMahon is 72 years old. He's... Mm-hmm. He's a billionaire or close to a billionaire. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to take it. His wife works for the president of the United States. I keep forgetting about that. Uh, who's, Isn't that weird? Who's one of his best friends, by the way. Isn't this all weird to hear? Yeah. like this. He's got everything going for him. He could retire tomorrow if he wanted. The company... <laughs> I will never retire. He'll never do it, but he could if he wanted. But he doesn't want to. He, he has nothing to prove and everything to lose 
And for for a normal person, for a person that values things like that, to take this headbutt is dumb. But in wrestling, it's it's that like it's that like human spirit. You know, it's the I don't I don't care. You know, it's I don't care how much money I have in the bank. I don't care if I'm an old man. I don't care about any of that. I'm going to do what makes me feel alive. I'm going to do what what entertains them because I it's important it's more important for, to me to make a moment that'll never be forgotten by wrestling fans than to be safe. Now, there is a line, but I don't think they crossed that line. I think they got real cozy up to that line, but I don't think they crossed it. And so everything that everyone has said about how it was dumb is fine to say, but I disagree. I think it was awesome. I put it up on my Facebook page. I said, say what you will, but that's why Vince McMahon is the greatest promoter of all time. Because not only did he sell the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon match, he got people to watch the Mae Young Classic final. He got people to talk about it. He got SmackDown that rating, amongst other things. But it, it, a lot was him. And I, I just think it was awesome. And if this is the last time or one of the last times we see Vince McMahon on WWE television, what a way to go. And what a way to make Kevin Owens. I mean, Kevin Owens is a made man. He, he's really going to have to screw up if, you know, he's really going to have to screw up from this to go back down the ladder because he's got that rub. Well, we also know that Kevin Owens is not one to squander opportunities. No. So. Longest reigning universal champ of all time. That probably will not be the case come WrestleMania because we uh, are strongly believing that Lesnar will still be champ come WrestleMania. And that will be a year, right? Either either Lesnar loses at No Mercy or he hangs on to it to WrestleMania. I think that's kind of no where... No in-between? I don't feel like there's an in-between because once you, beat, once you beat Strowman, you cannot then lose to him. Yeah. So we'll have a bigger discussion on that next week as we look forward to No Mercy... Uh, this weird pay-per-view schedule right now where we had such a long, nice, comfortable break between SummerSlam and No Mercy. And then we're going to get another, if I remember correctly, another uh, couple weeks before we get to Hell in a Cell. And then another couple weeks before we get to whatever's right before Survivor Series. Have they still not named it? No, 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 they named it. I've just forgotten what it is. Um... Battleground. We already did Battleground. No, we did Battleground. Roadblock. It's, it's not Roadblock. Roadblock was the December one. They hadn't decided whether they were going to use. They, and they still haven't decided. Uh, not to the last time that I checked, but I I looked last year. Anyway. Or last last year. I looked last week. <laughs> yep. The last time we prepped was last year. <laughs> TLC. TLC. Oh, Clash of Champions. Oh, did they name it's it? It's been announced. Wow. December 17th will be Clash of Champions. Interesting, because that wasn't even a pay-per-view when WCW had it. That was a TV special. Clash of the Champions. Oh, so this is just Clash of Champions. Yes. Now, remember, Clash of Champions they did last year. Not not Night of Champions. Remember, last year, Clash of Champions was in 2016. And no, not Night of Champions, not Clash of the Champions. Clash of Champions. Not Clash of the Titans. Not, not Wrath of the Titans. Not Remember the Titans. Not the Iron Giant. Okay, I thought we were... I've lost the pattern, all right? Listen, we've gone on way too long. We are now... But it was important to me to say, and I think that more people should live their lives that way. Not recklessly. Do you think Vince did anything to his forehead to make that happen, or was it just a stiff headbutt? I, I think he prepped it. 
Interesting. I thought it was just a stiff headbutt from a man who's bled quite a lot from his forehead. Maybe, Remember, yeah, if, you, if you walk briskly by Ric Flair, he will start to bleed. Yeah, Vince has taken a lot of head trauma in his day, but he also, you know... Taken a lot of head trauma. That terminology puts it in very different contexts. There is the old cliche that he will not ask others to do what he will not do. And and you can say, why does he get to bleed and he gets to put himself over and the angle over and nobody else? And I get all that. But to me, it was freaking awesome. And it made me appreciate Vince McMahon even more. The difference was is that everybody was bleeding back in the day. Oh, oh there, my, my, the microphone almost went away. Everyone was bleeding back in the day. If you remember the very hard-to-watch Eddie Guerrero match where he bladed too deep yep. and then proceeded to bleed all over the ring and went into shock backstage. Uh, John Cena had a match like that. Uh, Batista and Triple H had a match like that. Uh, Shawn Michaels, which was actually the end of blading. He bladed so badly that he bled all over the ring and that officially was the end of blading um as a policy of it being allowed so but difference is is a little blood goes a long way a little yeah, bit of color as, as 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 jim ross has said in the past a little bit of color goes a long way and and just real quick here's why i think it was prepped <laughs> because the camera angles Everything, the, the way the angle was designed itself along with the shots that the cameras took, it was all predicated upon there being blood. Imagine that same formation of shots and uh, attacks from Kevin Owens if there was no blood. It was all meant to be that way. That's a good point. And his, his head, when it first welled up, looked like a bingo stamper. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> In uh, So we have gone well past time. Plenty of things that we had to discuss this week. Next week is the beginning of No Mercy, where New Japan has slowed down a little bit, as they tend to do as we get into the winter. They're, had, they're mm-hmm. on their Road to Destruction tour. Uh, Death Before Dishonor is coming from Ring of Honor mm-hmm. uh, in the very near future. And as I understand it, you yourself are booked for some things the next couple of weeks. Yeah, this Saturday night I'll be in Dover, Delaware for Rampage Pro Wrestling at the Delaware Ag Museum. Rampage Pro Wrestling Retaliation. Retaliation is the name of the event. Um, you can get information on their Facebook page, my Facebook page, Ryan's Facebook page, Over the Barricades Facebook page, or wherever there are Facebook pages. Google search Rampage Pro Wrestling. I found it very quickly. Yeah. Um, September 29th, Friday, I'll be back at Adrenaline Championship Wrestling. And I can now announce October 7th, I will be in Virginia for Classic Pro Wrestling. Uh, I'm really excited about this one because Tully and Arn are reuniting at the show. I did not know about this until you just said it. I was not prepped on this news, and I am very excited and want to know if I can make the show. You, I mean, it's Saturday, so you should check out. <sighs> Where in Virginia? Um, I'm a know? bad person because I don't know this off the top of my head. Phil, 20 seconds. Uh, so as he's looking that information up, uh, of course, check him, check out our Facebook page. We'll, we'll do the plugs in a minute, but check out our Facebook page uh, for the Rampage event page. And we're also going to have the ACW event page is going to get shared next week. Yeah, and this, for Classic Pro Wrestling, this is their one-year anniversary. Uh, I believe I was on their first show in a Battle Royal, actually. Uh, but we got Tolly and Orn, and J.J. Dillon's going to be there, too. So, you know, it's it's going to be good. It's at the um, 
That is Rappahannock. Rappahannock is how you say that. High school in Richmond. No, in Warsaw, Virginia. It's on Richmond Road in Warsaw, Virginia. Um, tickets are fifteen dollars um, for ringside seats. Five dollars for general admission. It's going to be a packed house. Um, this is going to be a big show. The first show, there was like hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, it was at a it was at a high school as well. Um, so th- this one's going to be good. And and every show I've been to of theirs, they've had like a ton of legends that's kind of their thing you know there was um uh dave hebner uh actually um ricky steamboat's son uh, richie steamboat richie steamboat was there you know they always have i mean the list goes on and on if if totally and arn aren't enough for you then you need to check yourself Tully and Arn are enough for me, although I would just go just to support my wonderful co-host. Oh, thank you. We could we could do a road trip down there. We could do a road trip. So uh, that'll do it for us this week. You can call us the 90-Minute Men because we went an hour and a half. Ooh. Good grief. This was a long podcast. You Thanks. could. You listen to us. You could have watched The Lion King in the same amount of time, just so you know. But this is a little bit better, I think. I think so, too. I, I, think, th- I think one day there's going to be a Broadway show about this episode. Uh, Simba ain't got nothing on us. Circle of life, biatch. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. (laughs) I'm going to let it stay in and hope we don't get flagged. So that's the end of the episode. We will catch you next week. Stay tuned for the plugs. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. Follow us on Twitter at barricade show. You can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for over the barricade podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at LeeBrando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando. And don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week.